Why don't you, if you've got a Bible, we'll try to get this far. I just want to follow the Lord today. But uh, go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 7. While you're turning there, have you ever been a part of, well, I know this, this first part of it is, is true. You've been a part of a mighty move of God, a move of the Spirit where it was just so so strong and so thick, the, the, what the Lord was doing in that place, you just, you knew without a doubt the presence of the Lord was there and he was moving on this life and that life and you could just see it on each person that, man, the power of the Lord is there and it was so rich and beautiful. Or even you maybe heard a great Bible study, a great lesson, something that, that a preacher laid out to you in such a way that Man, it was just, it was perfect. It was clicking. It was revelation. Everything that he said was just one after the other. Man, it was powerful, perfect, timely. All these things are just what we needed. And then you go and you try to try to maybe explain it to somebody else and just say, this is, this is what you missed. It was, this person said this, or that person was praying like this, and it was just, man, it was awesome. It was powerful. And that person's like, oh, cool. That's good. Or you, you try to explain that message, and it's, man, he, he started with this passage, and he said this about that guy in the Bible I'd never heard of, but it was, it was just right, and he taught me all these things. And that person's, oh, cool. Okay, good. No, you're not getting it. It was better than that. It was better than cool. Or, okay, no, it was powerful. It was awesome. Or... Maybe you've come to, to church and, and the Lord moved on you in such a mighty way at that particular service, a Friday night, a Wednesday night, a Sunday, whatever it was. And it's just, man, his presence, his power was all over you, trembling and, and, and shaking and crying maybe and just crying out to the Lord. And it's so, so rich there. And then you come back the, the, the next time of the service and you're like, was there sprinklers in here or something? What happened? I mean, where did it go? It was, it was awesome. It was, it was just what I needed in every way. And now where is it? I mean, it's the same people. It's the same preachers. It's the same musicians, singers, everything. It, it looks the same, but it feels totally different. What, we try, what we're trying to do there is we're trying to recreate Something that God did. I can't. I'll just tell you personally. There was a, 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 a few week, a few weeks ago, maybe a few months ago now. Um, the Lord ministered through a through a Wednesday night Bible study, and man, I just felt like everything I was saying was boom, perfect, powerful. And then I go and I try to tell my wife all about it, and it's one of those, cool, okay, that's good. No, you weren't there. You should have heard it. I was better than that. But what I was trying to do was just trying to recreate that message and that that uh, atmosphere and the flow, of, uh, the move of God that was there. And it just doesn't work that way, right? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe you go to a youth convention or a men's conference or a ladies' conference. You, go, you come back and tell your spouse all about it. Man, I just, I'm telling you, I've never felt the Holy Ghost like that before. And they just keep eating. That's good. You can't, you can't recreate 
what happened there around the, the, the breakfast table the next morning. It just doesn't work that way. And I know that that's simple. It may sound simple, but I have to make sure my approach to God and, and to being a part of his body here doesn't have that same kind of a, a mindset or that type of a concept where every time I come here, I know the Lord's going to do this. And if he didn't do that, what's my problem or what's his problem or her problem or what, who did something wrong? Who turned the lights out? Where did it go? Where did that power go? Because I know it was here before. The Lord doesn't always, thankfully, he doesn't always just move the exact same way every time. It would be kind of strange if, if, if I served, if we served our kids the same exact breakfast down to the bite, made them put on the exact same clothes as the day before. Oh, yesterday was a good day, wasn't it? All right, so you want some more oatmeal, same bowl, same spoon, same shoes. Oh, you weren't wearing those slippers. No, go get the other ones. You were wearing those because that's how, that's how it was supposed to be when it was good. Now, the Lord doesn't do that for us. The walk that we have with God, it's supposed to be progressive to where, yes, that was a good thing. I'm thankful for that. But I'm not just going to keep going back to that and expecting more of that when I know that he's got more in store for me. Amen. Look at Acts chapter 7. I would love to just take the time to read this entire passage. If you, if you never have or if it's been a while like it has for me, I encourage you. This is Acts chapter 7 is a snapshot of the whole Bible. You probably didn't know that. It's, it's, it's Stephen testifying before the high priest and the council when they've brought him into um, the temple. This guy was out here. Do you know what those, you know, those disciples have been tearing up the joint and, and, and making all this havoc and, and healings and all this. He's one of them. They bring him in and they say, okay, Stephen, what do you have to say for yourself then? Explain to us, is this true? And he starts at, at verse 2 and he starts telling them, Remember a guy named Abraham? Of course we know Abraham. We know all, all about Abraham. We are sons of Abraham. But that's where he starts. Abraham. God took, told Abraham, leave your country and do all this. And, and then he, he walks through from Abraham. And then he had these sons. Right? And then. Isaac, and then Jacob, and you remember what Jacob did, and how it led to him and his brothers, right, and what they all did and went through, and he works his way down. It, gets to, it got to Moses, and Moses kind of was like Abraham, where he had to flee where he was and go dwell in the wilderness. So he's basically giving the Sanhedrin a Bible study, if you can imagine that. The council, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the guys that 24-7, live this stuff, read this stuff, know it inside and out, backwards and forwards, way better than I ever could hope to, because it's what they were born into and what they've devoted their life to. And Stephen, some random disciple, is giving them all the Bible study from Genesis, well, where are we in? Through Acts. Genesis, through, Genesis 
through Acts. Because he starts, he, and he ends by saying it worked all the way to Jesus, that guy who you all are responsible for killing. That's a bold move right there. I mean, it's, it's bold enough to just say, I'm going to tell you about your father Abraham and, and, and his descendants, how we got to today. But then he, he even goes as far as to say it led through, through that to Jesus, and you're responsible for his death, the one that you just denied and crucified. But I want to point out this uh, passage in the middle of, of what it is that he's talking about. Because it's kind of, a, like I said, it's a snapshot. I won't take the time to talk all the way through the life of David and then Solomon. But so Moses, as they were wandering in the wilderness, he gets these instructions from God about how to build a tabernacle. Everybody's familiar with the tabernacle to some degree, right? They, it was the mobile church of that time because God's Moses went up into the to the mountain while he was gone all the people they decided to go crazy or they just decided to go human if you can imagine that can you believe it but they tell Aaron the number two guy we don't know where he is or if he's coming back so make us a God because we, we got to have something we got to have some someone something to worship because we're worshipers so Here's all our jewelry. Here's my watch. Here's my necktie. What can you make out of these things? They fashion these gods. And Moses comes down and sees all this stuff. And God sees all this stuff. He says, this is not going to go on. If you've got to have something, if you've got to manufacture something, I'll give you the instructions for how to build a tabernacle so we can at least go about worshiping me. Correctly. Okay, so he gives him this blueprint, and he builds the tabernacle, and that tabernacle remains all the way through to David. And David gets this, this idea, you, you shouldn't be just dwelling in this, I mean, man, those, those threads. Lord, look at those threads that you're wearing. I can make you something great. I can make you something beautiful, something you'd be proud of, something that all the other kingdoms would want to come see and be, be, be impressed by. And, and God says, well, if, if, if you must build something, I can let you build something, but it's not actually going to be you. It's going to be your son, Solomon, that's going to build this temple. Okay? So because they, they know, remember, the, the tabernacle was the mobile church because they're wandering but then they get to the promised land where it is they're supposed to be and actually set up camp long term. And now they think, OK, we don't got to have a mobile church anymore. Let's just make a temple. So God puts his stamp of approval, approval on that work through Solomon. And the, the temple's built. OK, so let's I'm, this, that's where I, we're going to read just a little bit of here. Acts chapter seven and start at verse 44. Remember, this is Stephen talking to the council. But he gives them this brief little background of the tabernacle and the temple. Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. i got to stop there for a second. Because what's the first word? Our fathers. Stephen's automatically putting himself on the same level with the Sadducees and Pharisees and the high priest. 
you know that alone's not going to go over well. Our fathers. What do you mean, Nelson? Me and you, we don't have the same fathers. You can't say that. But so he's saying, our fathers. We, we trace our descendants back here. Okay? And so our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness. As he had appointed, speaking unto Moses, that he should make it according to the fashion that he had seen. Keep reading. Which also our fathers that came after brought in with Jesus into the possession of the Gentiles, whom God drave out before the face of our fathers unto the day of David. So David rebuilds the tabernacle, brings the covenant, Ark of the Covenant back, right? Verse 46. Who found favor, who's who? David. David found favor before God and desired to find a tabernacle for the God of Jacob. Okay, verse 47. But Solomon built him a house. Who's talking here again? Stephen. Who's he talking to? The Sadducees and the Pharisees, the council. Okay, Solomon built him a house. Verse 48. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples. The place where you go to work every day, brother Pharisee, brother Sadducee, where you go to work every day in this facade, this, this building, God doesn't dwell in those. Howbeit the Most High dwelleth not in temples made with hands, as saith the prophet, verse 49, heaven is my throne. Heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. Think about this story, Jack and the Beanstalk, for a second. That fairy tale. They, they think they're all that. And they've built this or, or made this awesome vine to climb up. I'm paraphrasing because I haven't heard this story in so long. Okay. But they make this, this vine that goes up into the sky. And when they get up there, they realize they're just little creatures. Teensy little creatures. That's the word that my kids use. Teensy little creatures. And there's a giant there. And they have to climb just to get up to his footstool. I'm trying to give you the visual of what he's saying when he says, heaven is my throne and earth is my footstool. So you want to make this awesome, beautiful thing that is smaller than my foot and tell me that I'm supposed to dwell in that and be proud of that. Okay, so he's saying this is what the prophet said about Jesus. Heaven is my throne, earth is my footstool. What house will ye build me, saith the Lord, or what is the place of my rest? Verse 50. Hath not my hand made these things? You know that beautiful gold-encrusted building that you're going to make? I made the gold. And I'm supposed to be impressed by the gold that I made, that you stood up in four walls. Okay, we're, again, we're talking about trying to recreate something that God did. 
Jump to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17. We're going to start verse 16. This is a lengthy passage, so I'm going to try to skim through it. But I want you to get this. This is Paul going through Mars Hill. Now, I know you've heard this passage before, but just let's look at some of the highlights here, okay? Because, again, we're talking about what man's attempt is to create or recreate and fashion the move of God, if I can put it that way. What it is, Lord, I'm going to make this place, and then I'm going to expect you to do something awesome in it. Or you did something awesome there. So I'm going to go build a monument to what awesome thing you did there, and I'm going to live here and expect you to keep doing it. Okay? Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Verse 17, therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met with him. Let's keep reading. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him. And what are these philosophers? Some said, what will this babbler say? Others, other some. He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. Verse 19, and they took him and brought him unto Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new doctrine whereof thou speakest is. Everybody still with me? Verse 20, For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears, we would know therefore what these things mean. Verse 21, For all the Athenians and strangers which were there spent their time in nothing else but either to tell or hear some new thing. We're just sitting around talking about all the philosophies. We're just sitting around talking about all the different moves of God. Boy, men's conference, 2012. Yeah, that was good. But remember 2013? Oh, yeah, that was awesome. See where I'm going with this? Remember 2014, though? Oh, yeah. That preacher, mm, he was almost as good as the one in 2015. Yep. I'm not knocking on men's conference, okay? I believe in it in the ministry there. But this is, this is what they're doing. This is, he, Paul gets a really good insight and, and, and understanding of your mindset because this is all you do. You sit around talking about the things you've heard and trying to recreate the things you've heard. If I took my kids to Disneyland and I said, okay, split up, divide and conquer. Annabelle, you're in charge of all the rides. Callum, you're in charge of all the food. Noelle, you're in charge of all the souvenirs. Now go have fun. And then they come back and, well, Annabelle's going to have to talk all about all those rides, the fun rides that she rode. Callum's going to be talking about all the great food that I had. And Noel's going to talk about, I bought this for you, I bought this for you, I bought this for you. Hang on, I'm going to switch microphones. Test, test. Okay. 
Hope I got cord here. So they're dividing and they're conquering. And then this is what the this is what the people of Athens are doing. They're just talking about this preacher said this and it was great. What did you hear? Well, I heard this preacher say this and it was great. And that and that and that. Recreating these things. To tell or to hear some new thing. Verse 22. Then Paul stood in the middle of Mars Hill and said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that in all things ye are too superstitious. 23. For as I passed by and beheld your devotions, I found an altar with this inscription to the unknown God. Whom therefore you ignorantly worship. This is pretty clever by Paul, I think. Pretty smart move here. Because he, he's got to find a way in to talk about the true God, the one true God. Oh, I see. This one. This one they haven't defamed yet. Or exhausted yet. We'll talk about him. Him declare I unto you. Verse 24. God that made the world. God that made the gold and the bronze and the silver and the things that you made those other statues out of. All things therein, seeing that he is the Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. You can't make a place, make a box, build a house, build a building, and say that's where this God is going to dwell. Like you've done with all these others. You got the statue over here to this one, and you got the, the den and the lair over there to that one, and you got the table over here to this one. And he's confined to that, and he's confined to that, and he's confined to that. They can't get out and move. And then you want to build one to the one true God, and tell him, nope, you're confined. You can't get out and move. I, I know that this seems kind of far out because, well, no, we don't. This is Yakima. We got all these churches. We got, all, we, we got our homes. We got, the, we got the people of God, the body of Christ. And we, don't ever, we would never do something like that. We would never expect to limit and confine God. But brother or sister, I'm not talking about a physical place today. I'm talking about my spirit, my mind, and my intellect. When I come here and I think, all right, we're going to pray, let's pray. We're going to sing, let's sing. We're going to worship, let's worship. And that is the confinement that I have my God in. I've put him in the script. He doesn't work that way. Because then, what I started out by saying, that's, that's the road that I'm going down. I'm comparing this script and this script and this one. Oh, this one was really good. This one, not so much. That one was okay. This one was a little bit better. And what, what I'm doing, I, I am ignorantly, which means without knowing, without knowing, I'm putting God in confinements and saying, March 28th, yes. March 21st, nah. 
You see what I'm doing? I'm limiting God. I, I, I'm, I'm coming to God with this approach. All right. April 29th remains to be seen. What is he going to do? What is he going to do that outshines what he did on this other time? And in doing so, I am trying to create or recreate a move of God. Manufacture a move of God that is somehow at least equal or better than a prior one. You can't recreate on your own something that he initially created. You can't do it. I don't want to put my creative power up against his. Look at Galatians chapter 3, verse 3. Paul, writing here again to the church in Galatia, gives a little bit of insight again on, on this similar kind of a topic. So he starts out verse 1, he says, Foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who has, who has come in and changed your mindset, altered your mindset? That's what bewitched means, right? He, they, they've done something to you that's caused you to not think straight. They've done something to you that's altered what was your pure mind, your pure concept. And now in verse 3, he says, Are you so foolish, having begun in the Spirit? See, that's what God initially created. That's the work that God did, the creative power of God began in the spirit. I'm sure if we went around the room today and testified about somewhere in the past where God did something creative in you through the spirit, oh, man, that'd be awesome. We'd be shouting, awesome, praise God, thank God for that. Because he began something in the spirit, and it was wonderful. And then we fast forward to today, and he says, having begun in the spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? Elder Hart actually touched on this um, uh, Wednesday night. What it means to be perfect is actually not just look at me, I'm great, and I don't have any more problems. It means I've reached completion. Have you begun in the flesh, but then thought that you could reach completion? Have you begun in the spirit? but thought you could reach completion in the flesh. What does that mean? Well, I got the Holy Ghost. I didn't do that. That was spirit work. I got baptized in the name of Jesus, washed my sins away. I didn't do that. That was spirit work. That was the spirit working in me, begun in the spirit. But then I think, okay, I'll take it from here. I got it from here. I got this clean slate. I got a clean bill of health. I'm good to go. I'm going to go my way and do my thing now. And that's trying to complete in the flesh the work that was started in the spirit. Trying to make this way that says, I, I'm, I'm not so foolish to say I don't need God. I mean, obviously, we know we need God. But how much do I need him? I mean, I got the house. 
I got the clothes in the closet. I got the gas in the car. I can get a pretty far ways on what I've got now. I can, I, I can go, I, I can go, I got food in the pantry. I'm good for a few weeks till it's time to shop again. And then when, when it's time to shop again, when it's time to, when, when there's a need that arises that's outside of my control, oh, now I need you. Now I, I, I was spirit. Then I try to become perfect in the flesh. Can't do it. I need you again. That is what Paul is saying is foolish. Thinking you can do something or you can further something that God did, that God started, a work that he's done. We, we look around, we, we can examine our lives and say, well, I've got this far through the grace of God. He's brought me up to this point, this day. But I want to continue. How am I going to continue? Through the flesh or through the spirit? Pretty simple. And how do I know which one I'm doing? Who, how much control am I giving to God? It, it, it sounds It sounds extreme. But I don't know another way to explain what Paul is saying here. To begin in the spirit, but then think you can pick it up somewhere along the way in the flesh and carry it forward. It, it, this is my own life that I'm talking about. I, I can do nothing. Jesus, Jesus said the son can do nothing of himself. See, he understood this. He had, th he had this concept. The son can do nothing of himself. I don't have power, ability, wisdom, strength, whatever it is. I can do nothing except that which the father telleth him to do. I, when I'm going to be gone for a while from the home, a day or so. Or one of the things I always try to get my kids to do is I go and tell them, go ask mommy what she wants you to do. Go ask her what does she want you to do. Really what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to help her out. I know I'm going to be gone. I can at least try to get them started on the right path. Really what I'm trying to do is instill uh, a mindset there or a character or a nature that says, Always, what do you want me to, to be doing? What, what can I do to help you? It's not so far-fetched for me to think I should be approaching God that way. God, what do you need me to do? What can I do to help you? That's what the son did, that which the father telleth him to do. Now, if, I, if I'm so far out... If I'm so far out that the father's, Caleb, I need you over here for something. He's going to have a difficult time telling me what it is to do because I'm off there doing my own thing. I'm off there having fun. I'm off there. Maybe I'm concentrating and focused on something. And yeah, yeah, I hear that. I hear that. But I, let me finish this, what I'm, what I'm working on right now. Why don't you stand with me?
what we have here today is an opportunity to approach the Father and say, what is it that you want me to do? You tell me what to do. I will do it. The Son can do nothing of himself. I don't want to complete or, or move forward, try to progress through the flesh, through my own ability, through my own reasoning. Again, Paul called it foolish to think that I could do that, to think that I could pick up where he leaves off and just try to run with it from there. It doesn't work that way. Would you pray with me, Lord Jesus? God, we acknowledge you today as our Father. We acknowledge you today as the one that sets the course, sets the direction of our life. Jesus, we believe that without you, we can do nothing, Lord. Without you, we can do not one thing, Lord Jesus. The next breath that we have, it comes from you, God. Every possession that we have, we got it from you, Lord. Every ability. Jesus, we want to acknowledge you first as the source of that. But we want your direction, God, and your wisdom for how to proceed, how to go forward. In the name of Jesus, I'm going to open this altar. I invite you, find a place to pray because I know the Lord's here. He wants to give direction today. He wants to give understanding today and peace. In the name of Jesus, Lord, we seek after you right now. Jesus, we seek after you right now, God, for your wisdom, for your direction, Lord Jesus. God, forgive me for the times I've tried to operate through my flesh, God, for the times I've stepped outside of your work and your will. In the name of Jesus, let's pray, church. Let's talk to the Lord.
you're praying, I'm just going to share something with you. Stephen, when he was talking about the tabernacle and the, the temple, what he said was our father, our fathers had the tabernacle of witness. It's a very strange and curious way to describe the tabernacle, the tabernacle of witness. But remember what it was that, that caused them to, to build that just because they wanted to worship. They wanted to have a God to worship. And then he gives this direction, instruction to build this tabernacle. And Stephen calls it the tabernacle of witness. What I need in my life is I need the witness. I need the witness of the Holy Ghost. What he did, the same thing that the, when he gave approval to David and to Solomon to build that temple, it was a witness. The Bible says our spirit bears witness with him. What it means is a, a witness is a confirmation. Okay, to confirm something. Think about we hear that term witness. We often think about a, a trial, maybe in the court system. You're the witness. Can you confirm that what we think happened really happened? What they're saying is, can you confirm the truth? So when Jesus gives the or when, when the spirit of God gives the instruction for the tabernacle, he's giving this. This is a confirmation of the truth. The way, the way you're going to go about getting into my presence, the way you're going to go about fellowshipping with me, knowing me, having this opportunity to, to, to get into my presence, this is the witness. Now I'm going to start praying every day. Lord, I want a witness in my spirit from you. I know that you don't dwell here. I know I don't have to come here to get a witness from you. I know I don't have to show up put time in and feel like, okay, I'm earning, I'm buying a witness. It doesn't work that way. His spirit bears witness with our spirit. We are the sons of God. His spirit confirms the truth. If I'm going through a situation and I, I got to know, Lord, I don't know if this is right or this is right. Or if I just feel lost. If I feel alone, what I need is the witness of the Holy Ghost, the confirmation of the Holy Ghost, of the truth. Amen? Can we pray, Lord Jesus? Lord, I thank you for giving us your spirit, the spirit of truth. I thank you for giving us, God, a witness in our spirit. Jesus, I pray, let us know, God, let us come to know every day that we've got that witness, that we've got that confirmation from you, Jesus, of what is true, what is right, Lord God. Lord, we don't want to just feel good about ourselves. We want to know that we're walking in truth. We want to know, God, that we are pursuing and progressing a true and right relationship with you. Jesus, cause our understanding to know the truth. Lord, we want your spirit to bear witness with our spirit. We want your spirit to bear witness with our spirit, Lord. Lord, oh, Lord, 
Jesus in your name. Jesus in your name. Lord in your name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Before we dismiss, I want to remind you, encourage you to keep Brother and Sister Jester in your prayers this week. Brother Jester's had some operations. He's had some work done. We're believing that it's going to be corrective work. Amen. Claim that. Pray healing over him. Pray strength into them. Amen. Sister Jester, God bless you. Good to see you today. Amen. Why don't you greet one another? Encourage them. Give them a word of encouragement, and you're dismissed. In Jesus' name.